Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, getting my P's and Q's in order. And what we do every day, Monday through Friday, is discuss the issues between food producers and food consumers as I spill things everywhere in the studio and make a mess. J.C. Cole, it is Wednesday. It's a special Wednesday. Do you know why? I don't know, but you're wearing a red shirt. That should give it away. You got to know this. How come you're not in tune? You know exactly why I'm wearing a red shirt. Are we jumping into this day in history? Uh, yeah, we are. This day in 1777. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I wanted to talk about uh, Bernard Sigrand. Okay. Wisconsin school teacher who in 1885 said, you know what? We should celebrate the birth of our American flag. And he started flying a flag and he started campaigning that we have a national flag day. In 1960, 1916, 40 years later, Woodrow Wilson agreed. And hence, we've celebrated flag day. Not in a big enough way, I might add, every year since. And, and if I recall, most people think Betsy Ross uh, yeah. uh, designed the flag, but... Um, no, that's not it true. A, it was a dude. Yeah, it was some guy. Uh, Betsy Ross did sew it together. But that, that, that's it. Putting it together. That's important. So let, let's, let's, <laughs> oh, let's I can I can hear your together. hesitation in wanting to walk down the stereotypes between men and women. <laughs> women belong in the house sewing, cleaning, and cooking, JC. Just admit it. Right, right. Sure. That's why I'm in an undisclosed location in New Jersey. Thank you very much. Coming to you from the bunker in New Jersey. Right, right. What was that about the wrath of a woman? Yeah, famous saying. Right. Oh, I just heard the door close there. Do you have one coming to beat you over the head now? <laughs> right, right. I, I think we ended one show with the the most important things to say to keep your marriage together is yes, dear, you are correct. <laughs> oh, okay. So much for that. All right. Let's move on to more important things. Be- uh, I don't know. Marital harmony might be the most important thing going today. I'm just saying. Absolutely, absolutely true. Um, so, so one thing for you guys uh, out west. <clears throat> Um, I came across Minnesota Prepping Expo is coming up. What is that? Uh, I would I might just have to go to that. Right, it's in Little Falls, you know, and so uh, it's a bit of a travel for me. So I'm going. <laughs> it's a bit of a travel for me too. Couldn't they have it like in Worthington or something? <laughs> Maybe Laverne. Right. Well, don't you know that us in the East, everything we think, you know, anybody across the Mississippi, you guys are all like real close to each other. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Little Falls, though, you might as well be Canadian, eh? Eh, eh. But anyway, yeah, the Minnesota Prepper Expo begins June 30th and runs till July 2nd. And so if you can get to it, I highly, you know, recommend, um, because you'll find out incredible amount of information on prepping. And there aren't, there aren't really that many good, uh, prepping expos, um, here on the East Coast, I think we really only have one. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, if you're listening on the East Coast, um, that is in um, North Carolina, just south of Asheville. And it's called Prepper Camp. 
and it happens mid-September, but you better buy your tickets now. Uh, I've been to that one, and it was excellent. I've spoken a little pause once. Trends? <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> the one, t- the one time I spoke in Little Falls was yes. for Chick Days. <laughs> All right. In the spirit of the woman, I spoke at Chick Days in Little Falls. It was fantastic. Okay. So was that Chick Days for the university or Chick Days for the farmers? For the chicks. For the farmers. Um, for the right. women. Okay. It was the okay. women's group of, it was a dairy group. And I, maybe they still, it's actually where I met Kim Bremer. Lifelong friend. It was in Little Falls. Right. At Chick Days. I spoke at three Chick Days, to be honest. They had it annually, an event to celebrate being a woman in the dairy industry and all that comes along with that. And so uh, let's just remind everybody, uh, be a real nice investment, uh, small investment for prepping to have a small uh, uh, incubator for chickens. At least we yes, got you now recognizing the natural incubator. Right, right. Yes, I'm I'm well aware. Actually, one of my hens is brooding, and and um, she gets very upset at me every every morning when I lift her up and take the eggs out from underneath her. <laughs> is that why you have those little blood marks on your hand? Yeah, exactly. Chicken peck. Exactly. Nobody um, really knows what hen peck means. They use it all the time, and they don't understand what hen peck actually means. Right. Uh, yes. And and also brooding. And yeah. It's like, yeah, when when her hormones kick in and she just sits on the eggs and, and grumbles at you if you try to disturb her. I, I'm yeah. going to say that more people understand brooding and hormones kicking in than henpecked. Yeah, we shouldn't go there. Let's get back to the news. <laughs> I like taking you places you're not comfortable all of a sudden. That's fun. Right. So did you see the biggie out there in Philadelphia this week? I did. I did. That looked horrible. Right. right. And um, this, uh, for those who don't know, um, a, a tanker truck was going under an overpass of Route 95. Now, Route 95 goes from Maine to Florida. It's one of the major uh, um, thoroughfares. And uh, the trucker, um, uh, I guess, turned over, caught on fire and burnt down um, one full layer, um, I think. I don't know which way it was northbound. It was southbound, I think. Uh, totally collapsed um, uh, the interstate, and the northbound lane sagged. Okay, so as a construction engineer, um, you can uh, when you heat concrete, it it, it uh, uh, ruins its um, its quality, and so Route 95 is is um, that, that pool was closed for probably probably between six months and a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one okay. accident. Uh, ironically, I, I must have happened in the morning because I was sitting on my computer doing production, and um, all of a sudden I saw on Twitter, not to give it a plug, but it, it actually did a good thing here, that I ninety five was trending, and so it went on, and and I saw live footage immediately. It was pretty. Pretty impressive. That's pretty amazing. Now, what that? Let's just look at the vulnerability of our interstates, right? Um, that, that basically means just one tanker, and you can take out an interstate. Yeah. And uh, you know, in a 
especially think about that. All the traffic going north and south now has to be rerouted into the middle of Philadelphia. Do you remember, and now I'd have to look up at how many years ago it was, and our Minnesota listeners are shouting at the radio right now, but it was, uh, I think, 35W through Minneapolis had a, a similar situation, but it was both east and west. There was major fatalities. And that particular uh, bridge collapse cost everybody in this country money because that was the one situation that all lawmakers used to rein in the Department of Transportation and then forced every county in America to go evaluate the integrity of their bridge structure. And if it wasn't adequate to spend money that they didn't have, had a mandated um, unfunded mandate for bridge works all because of what happened in Minneapolis that one year. Yeah. So this is just, now we don't know if this was just an accident or worse, you know, it was a, um, um, we'll, we probably will never find out, but if you actually look at clandestine warfare, um, <clears throat> this is exactly what they would do. They take out infrastructure and make it look like a, an accident or a coincidence. And of course we have what over a hundred food related, um, uh, production facilities that just happen to burn down. We have, um, like maybe 50, um, um, refineries that have, uh, uh, you know, by coincidence caught on fire. The largest refinery in, uh, on the East Coast burnt down about four years ago and it's not going to be replaced. And we haven't made a refinery in the U.S. since, what, late 1979? 1979. And I have the data now. It was August 1st, 2007. You weren't even in the country. August 1st, 2007, I-35W Minneapolis collapses at 6 p.m. on August 1st. I've got to take a break. Before I go to a break, I just want to remind you that Certified Piedmontese understands the importance of upcycling protein and nutrients. The most nutrient-dense food substance on the planet is six ounces of beef. It will give you more of the essential nutrition, that nutrition that's been poo-pooed, that nutrition that's been ignored. You get from beef, you can't get from anything else at the same level with less eating. You can eat more if you want, but six ounces will give you what you want. Certified Piedmontese creates that opportunity with a tender beef supply. The Great Plains Cattlemen would appreciate you checking it out. This is about as regional of a food system as you can get in today's world. Once again, go to the website, certifiedpiedmontese.com. Have it delivered directly to your home and don't worry about a road collapsing. We're back with more J.C. Cole after this. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, J.C. Cole. He's pretty quick. He catches on fast. I mean, you must have had your bacon and eggs today. Uh, now I'm still on my coffee. Let's <laughs> start you up real quick. So, so uh, let, let's look at, um, you know, the, my, my whole journey here was to show that our supply chain um, is incredibly vulnerable to collapse, and it's actually guaranteed in the position it's in. And and so I wrote, and I, I just did uh, an engineering review and and, uh, and found out that there are at least 13 ways that the supply chain can collapse. And one of them is what's known as the New Madrid uh, Fault or earthquake, which is the largest earthquake that happened in America. It was back in like the 1870s, I think. And, and 
our, you know, our expert geologists are saying this is overdue. And if this happens, it, it could, could sever all of the bridges between the, uh, uh, going across the uh, Mississippi and the pipelines. Now, now, you know, look, we had one accident on 95. But, um, so what happens if we lose all of the, the bridges across the, the Mississippi? This comes back to one very simple thing. We have no food security in America. Right? Food security is food production plus food accessibility. And the majority of our food is produced on the, on the western side of the Mississippi River. And that if anything happens to our supply chain, um, our just-in-time supply chain, we start to have areas of, of, of America that run out of food within two weeks. JC, in um, 1993, Kelly and I got married. And there was a massive flood on the Mississippi River. The flood of 93 goes down in infamy. And I grew up seven miles east of the Mississippi River, east of Hannibal, Missouri. Quincy, Illinois was my address. My family's been there since 1832. I bought a farm on the west side of Mississippi in, in Boone County, Missouri, and operated, owned and operated that farm for seven years. When that flood occurred, it took out bridges, <clears throat> just as you're describing, and you had to go one of two ways. You had to go 100 miles north and cross at the Quad City, not the Quad Cities, at Burlington, or you could go south 100 miles and cross at St. Louis. It, it, it was, even though there were still options to get across, it was the most paralyzing feeling because we were operating our livestock operation together. So we were doing a lot of transporting back and forth. And that was just a mini or many little microcosm of what you're talking about could happen. And it, that lasted about eight months. This will last a lot longer. And it's just like, you just can't imagine how paralyzed you feel with some simple little thing like a bridge crossing a river can make you feel and, and create, a, I mean, it created all kinds of chaos because you couldn't yes. do business on each side of the river anymore. And that's the whole the whole concept of prepping is that you have stored resources to get through that period of chaos. That's basically it. And so literally our food system can shut down in a moment's notice. I mean, and, and the biggie is is um, our electric grid is our glass jaw. One shot to the electric grid and that lands right. And that's it. We're back to the 1850s um, without without the, let's say, the infrastructure that the 1850s had to produce food. And, and, um, and that, that, that's a real threat, uh, a, a viable threat. And, and so that can come from the sun at any time. Um, and, well, uh, and that's even worse than that. We have policy that is creating that, whether or not we have a, a Mother Nature event or not. I have documentation. I can't even get through it so extensive that in 2023, there will be a shortage of electricity for the United States. And we're going to experience significant power outages. But that, that's right. That, that, that's just ignorance uh, doing yeah, it. it but I don't think it's really ignorance. I actually believe that, yes, there is a plot. There is a conspiracy. Oh, wait a minute. I should change to my tinfoil. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, 
you you see it across the board, especially with food. That um, let's see, the Great Reset this this um this week, Dutch government launches farmer buyout scheme as thousands face shutdown. In other words, the Dutch government is shutting down um, Dutch farmers, and Dutch farmers produce about 20% of the food for Europe. Right? And, and so what? who's thinking here? Well, they're not thinking. In other words, there is some form of strategy to cut back on all food production. And it's happening. Right, and, and all you have to do is look at the the World uh, Economic Forum, the um, the World Health Organization, and the UN, and they're all sitting there going, "We should eat bugs." Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you those guys lead off first? <laughs> <laughs> you have your delicacy. I'm pretty good with beef and pork. And right, eggs. right, yeah, exactly, exactly. And now, now. You know, I'm pretty sure that if you start to look into the the proteins, right, that you'll find that uh, eating bugs will destroy the human body pretty quick. Yeah. Right? And so, so it's almost like it's uh, some form of um, depopulation agenda, which they're not they're not meaning. And of course, they say, you know, like, oh, it's because carbon dioxide. Well, more carbon dioxide feeds the plants, makes a greener plant and um, planet. What? What, what part of, you know, eighth grade science did you miss? You know, or nitrogen. We have to watch the nitrogen. Uh, 78% of our atmosphere is nitrogen. What part of science did you miss? You know, and, and, and they're just lying through their teeth. You know, and John Kerry is blaming, what, one third of greenhouse gases on farmers. You know, that's just a lie. Let it's him, just a let him quit eating. Lie. That'll be easy to fix. Right. Meanwhile, he, you know, flies his, uh, his polluting jet all over the place. Yeah. These guys are just uh, hypocrites. Speaking of fires, I want to just share what I had a great conversation yesterday with a gentleman from Alberta. <clears throat> he is never in his life. He lived, I mean, Canada is the ninth largest forest in the world. So Canada has fuel. Canada has a great lumber industry. But they also have fires. I mean, it's just part of the Canadian experience. Except you don't normally have fires in a wet, rainy season. And that's happening now in Alberta and Saskatchewan. And right. you don't normally have fires that start in perfect little circular like coffee cans. There's ten, numerous reports of people coming up on where fires have started in this per- perfect circular shape and like 20 of them in one spot. And then you don't have fires that start with like a mushroom effect cloud that comes up immediately. I've seen this on video. I've talked to this guy. They are literally going around Canada from Quebec to Victoria setting fires and blaming what you just described, climate change, CO2. And the other thing that he said is just so uncharacteristic. It doesn't even burn the fuel that it normally burns. It's burning under where the fuel is at. It's burning along fence rows. It's burning in places where clearly there was an accelerant that was put there to create these fires. It's blatant arson, obviously probably tracked back to Ottawa. Right. And and I would say, again, that we have clandestine operations on basically humanity happening, um, knocking out our food supply, knocking out our water supply. 
knocking out our our uh, supply chain and and knocking out our our medicine um you know it, there have been reports now that we're we're running short on medicine well hey as soon as we go to war with china it's going to stop medicine mm-hmm. production because they produce about 80% of the components for our our, our medicine and 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 uh, and so people have to wake up and get ready for this war. It's a war. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Now, speaking I, of that, right? I, I, I got 30 seconds, and I'll let you speak of that when we come back after the break. But I, I don't think anything summarizes it better, JC, than what you just said. Prepping is the ability to get yourself through a period of chaos. That's really all we're talking about. And, and by the way... Whether you believe that we're in a war or not, isn't that a good idea? Isn't it a good idea to have a plan to get yourself through a period of chaos, no matter what? That's right. I think the answer is yes. Before we go to break, I want to remind you that uh, we do take electricity for granted, and we should do that no longer. We have a reliable supply. Actually, there's only 800 years worth of coal left in the United States alone. 800 years, my friends. So why is it that we have all of these policies gearing us away from a a reliable source of energy? Because it creates independence. And the people behind the scenes at Lignite Energy want you to make sure you understand, we, all of us understand, that they don't care about the policies. They don't care about the games that are being played. They just go to the coal field, recover the oil, recover the coal, take it to the power plant, produce electricity, and then they restore it. 22,000 acres have been restored in just central North Dakota alone. Get more details about how Lignite powers life at Lignite.com. Second half of a rock just ahead. Welcome back. Trent Lewis alongside J.C. Cole into the second half. Even the students at one middle school in Burlington, Massachusetts, are fed up with the nonsense. Blay, the Blaze reporting during the break that uh, these group of students tore down all of the pride banners and were chanting, my pronoun is red, white, and blue. My pronoun is America, red, white, and blue. <laughs> right. You can imagine the officials at that school are not happy with the disrespect of these students. Even the kids are fed up with this nonsense, JC. That, that, that part's true. Trent, at the end of the last session, did you say that we had 800 years of J.C. Cole in reserve? Did I say that? Uh, something along those lines. We have 800 years of coal. Right. J.C. Right. Cole. By the way, that, yeah, by the way, that you might, we do. Might we be, have 800 more years of you. That might be a very good storage for prepping is to uh, get a load of coal. Um, especially for you guys who don't have a lot of trees. Uh, I, I've been waiting for a train derailment because you tell me they're pretty rampant, but I haven't had one within 10 miles of my house. So I guess I'm going to have to go buy some coal. Yes. I, I don't think they're going to have a train derailment on the, um, on the, um, uh, resources we need. <laughs> Actually, throughout course of history, Within 50 miles of where I live, because I just live six miles off of the track where coal runs every day. Uh, there have been train derailments where people just go get look, pick up loads of coal. I've been waiting, but sure, sure. Um, you know, one of the things I'm prepping, I want to touch on 
Um, it, uh, there's a, a gentleman named Stan Dale who is absolutely brilliant. He's a physicist, and his wife is the one who wrote the book uh, "Dare to Prepare Holly Dale." And you can you can find Stan at um, his name S T A N D E Y O dot com. But I um, I fired off a, a a question to him: How vulnerable is a well pump if we get hit with an EMP? Will it get fried? And so this is his answer. Um, because there is a power cord down to the pump, the cord will direct the EMP straight to the pump. So you need to shield at that point where the power cord is plugged into your power. Okay. He, he actually sells an EMP shield. Um, there should be a breaker box uh, nearby to install it. So that's really important for any of the farmers. Right. One is to, if you can, you know, put an EMP shield on your breaker box. And I haven't done that yet simply, simply because it costs. Um, um, but two, have a spare well pump. Um, because you lose water, you lose everything. And, um, so, uh, um, one of the things I found out, and this is, this is one of the indications of our country's in trouble. So a well pump generally lasts between 15 and 20 years. And w- my brother and I noticed that on the farm, we hadn't replaced it. So before it failed, we had it replaced. And so the old pump still works. So I saved that one. I went out and bought an extra new one also. So that's in storage. But I asked the well repair guys, what do you do with the pump? Right. And they say, oh, we just throw it out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So no one rewires the pumps of in, you know, Mm. yesterday, yesteryear. You know, it's like during my father's time, that would go right to the shop and and be uh, re Re, rewired and so we're just throwing away these assets right that's going to stop and it's going to be real painful for a lot of people but as far as you guys out there in the, the west that run on wells have an extra well pump ready to go and if you can put on a emp shield because nothing's perfect we simply don't know but uh if you you have those resources i mean you know metal gold silver lead copper and uh, also well pumps. Uh, <laughs> so something to think about. Now, well pump, a good well pump, I think, is about thousand dollars. I think, or seven hundred. Getting um, somebody to come and install it—that's a whole different deal. Well, yeah, um, that's why you want to be real nice to those guys. Yeah, um, it's kind of like the same with a plumber and an electrician. Right? Yeah. And um, you want to know, and you want to have those things in, in place before you need it um you know so for instance if uh if you have a backup generator you want to make sure you have the the the, uh, uh, the cutoff switch the switch box already installed because you're not going to find an electrician in an emergency okay i should exercise my generator today thanks for reminding me sure sure that's another thing is you guys start those babies up every once in a while just to make sure you know listen murphy Murphy, as in Murphy's Law, he's not sleeping. He's just waiting for you to. He's just waiting he for you to put your pants down. Yeah. Right. And uh, so. Okay, I'm going to do that today. Right. Right. Um, and and speaking of water, Las Vegas could 
throttle water supply to homes. A new state law gives Las, uh, Las Vegas water authorities the right to limit water flow to single-family homes. Well, that's what happens when you live in a desert. It's a desert. And you keep <laughs> piling people up in a desert, and they don't understand why there's a shortage of water, not to mention, what's Hank Bogus tell me there's uh, 7 million pools in Las Vegas? Yeah, and, and you know, it's like, and and it all requires electricity, right? What part about living in a desert don't you know? If you remember the old comedian Sam Kinison, it's a desert, right? Um, and and so uh, those are kind of three of the things uh, to make sure: stay away from, uh, uh, don't be near the oceans, don't be near a population center, and don't be near a location that requires electricity to survive, right? Well, well, that's. That's uh, Las Vegas, and that's Florida, and that's Long Island, and that's New York City. Um, you know, it's a hint. Um, okay, I, I don't want to mislead anybody, JC. 200,000 200, residential pools in Las Vegas. Right. Well, you could look at his personal water storage although you you better not drink the fungicides (laughs) (laughs) yeah right so and uh you know it just we just look across we just look across the board of what's happening and and it's past bizarre um you know there's a, a real um you know clandestine attack on humanity California, new bill will allow the courts to remove children from parents who misgender them. In other words, if the, the child thinks that he should be a boy and she's, and it's a girl, but the parents re, re, refuse, California can take the child away. That passed the Senate and the Assembly and is going to the entire floor. So a kid at the age of three could literally file a complaint against parents or the kid wouldn't do it. But if the kid says, I'm not a little boy anymore, I'm a girl. And the parents don't affirm that decision. They are at risk of being arrested and persecuted, prosecuted. I'm unbelievable. You can, and, 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 and let, let us jump into, um, you know, what happened this week in significance. I mean, you know, in history of significance. And um, of course it's flag day. That's one. Sorry to steal your thunder on that. No, no problem. <laughs> no, I didn't have that one down. I, you brought I, it up. Right. I just, I was just informed by a, a Scottish friend of mine from North Dakota that today's also National Bourbon Day. Why would National Bourbon Day be on the same day as National Flag Day? I think they can go together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are celebrating all the libations of life. All right, what else, what else happened this week? Okay, June 16th, 1858. Abraham Lincoln says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's exactly what they're doing to us. In spades, the Mm -hmm. Biden conquer. You know, the Alzheimer's patient in the White House came out and said at Howard University, the biggest threat to America is white supremacy. What? Yeah, it's like, no, I think the biggest threat to America is the present administration. 
Um, now, so, now, I, I, I'm only going to take issue with you for a moment on that because uh, Biden is an idiot and Biden doesn't have a thought. I mean, you give Biden a penny for your thoughts, you get change. He's he's a puppet. I don't even know if he's a person. He's a puppet for somebody. Of but course. there's nothing divisive about him and that. It's almost like we expect him to be that egregious. <clears throat> the division that I'm worried about is internally within the parties. And I now see the GOP at the local level, state level. I don't pay attention to the federal level because I, I, I want to zero in on what the most important aspect of the future is. And that's at the local level. There is more division at the local level within the GOP than any time in history. And the GOP and all Republicans are vulnerable to the stupidity of the Democrats because of the divisiveness within the party. You, you nailed it with Abraham Lincoln, 1850 or nine, yeah, 1858. A house divided will not stand. And that's what's happening. Right. And that now, is the intended outcome, I believe. Yes. And then, and now there's more. Uh, concern where uh, here's the headline a, a desperate army air force recruits immigrants with the proposal of rapid citizenship okay anybody who studies war knows that the dictator will surround himself with an army that is not loyal to the people okay lenin did it with the latvians lenin brought in the latvians is called the latvian red guard right because the Latvians had no problem shooting Russians to protect Lenin. And the, and the, and I think Mao did the same. They brought in they did. different. Yeah. And so what is this? The Air Force is bringing in immigrants, not Americans, with the promise of rapid citizenship. So they're surrounding their, the, themselves with the people that will shoot Americans. That, that that's the most concerning thing you've shared with me in quite some time. Yeah, um, and and now now all you have to do is look at a couple other things. One is um, the um, the effect of fentanyl on our military aged men. Um, the uh, the effect of uh, obesity on our military aged men, and um, and uh, the um, the effect of the clock shot on military-aged men, and, and of course, that the uh, the military is requiring the clot shot. So I think they rescinded that, though, recently, correct? I, I think yep. possibly they, they so. Did, but I but they still, after they decimated it. i got to go to a break. Speaking of military, we say thank you to those men and women who've been there to fight for us for 247 years so that we can have this fight today. The Wall of Honor is the place I suggest you go to pay tribute. TheWallOfHonor.org. We're back for the last segment of Roll Route. J.C. Cole after this. Welcome back. Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole. So my column, which you always remind me to write and be prophetic in, J.C., I didn't write much of it. To be honest, I copied and pasted most of it. And... It's a great article at Michigan State's website, msu.edu, and it talks about 17 strategies of the Soviet Union under Stalin. And if you walk through that whole situation of Stalin contributing to the death of nearly 10 million Ukrainians, 
If you search it, and by the way, it's called the Ukrainian famine, even though it was the Soviet Union. Collective farming is how he did it. And so I now identify, I didn't realize I did, but I now identify as a kulak. Yeah. And um, and uh, actually it was called the Holodomor yep. uh, in, in Ukrainian. And 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 um he basically took away the ability for the ukrainians to um to grow food which is the um which is the largest bread basket in europe and of course a few of them he sent to the gulags or shot um and that's one reason why some of the ukrainians are really hate the russians although stalin was not russian he was georgian right and and um so the most interesting that, thing about what i dug up jc and it ties right into what you're saying uh, the Kulak, which was, they rep, they consider 5% who were willing to resist this collective farm, farming scenario from Stalin. They, half of the accounts of history says that this 5% had too much wealth and they needed the 5%'s wealth to be a part of making the collective farming work. If you really get to the history, the 5% were the <clears throat> the uh, Revolutionary War type individuals, George Washington et al., who preserved our freedom. And they, they went after them, they tarnished them, they lied about them, and that's how that whole starvation came about because the media misconstrued these farmers who had the innovation and the wherewithal to produce more food than the other 95% in a collective farming situation. That's huge. Yeah. Now, along those lines, there's a great book out, which I, I uh, listened to. You can get it on Audible called The Red Famines, Stalin's War on Ukraine. And we are watching this by the existing governments that there is a war on food for humanity. And adding to that, Okay, and to show that this whole thing in uh, going on Ukraine is is a lie created by the existing uh, governments. Um, England, or actually the United Kingdom, sent depleted uranium to the Ukrainians to protect them, but it's going to destroy, right, the largest breadbasket in in Europe. And now the Americans are thinking about sending depleted uranium. So, so this is, they're just lying through their teeth. They're destroying, they're actually doing an ethnic cleanse of Ukraine. And, um, and, 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 and along those lines, right now, it just started the largest air, uh, air military, um, exercise in history has started, uh, June the 12th. Um, and will run till June the 23rd, um, right on the Russian border, being led by the Luftwaffe. You know, it's like going, what part of history don't they know? They're trying to provoke Putin into a nuclear incident. All right. And now if we get to June 15th, 1955, right, uh, Eisenhower administration stages the first annual Operation Alert, nicknamed Opal, exercise and attempt to assess, uh, assess the United States preparation for a nuclear attack. Well, okay. So if God forbid there's a nuclear attack, uh, what's your positioning? What's the private sector's positioning? Zip. 
You mm-hmm. guys don't have a ticket to the bunkers, right? You know, so we're being led by a bunch of cowards that all have tickets to the bunkers if it goes if it goes uh, hot and we're kinetic. No doubt about it. Personally, I don't do, do think as I say, do. not as I do. Right. Personally, I don't think we'll have a nuclear holocaust. I do think we will have a nuclear event and some form of exchange so that they can blame it um, on Putin and try to start a war with with Russia and China. And they're coming real close to it. Uh, I'm still hung up on Stalin because if you really learn history and what occurred in Stalin's Russia, Soviet Union, from 29 to 39. And I think about that picture of FDR, Winston Churchill, and Stalin sitting on a bench celebrating the accomplishments in World War II, knocking out Hitler. And I have no no respect for FDR. I'm thinking most of what we're dealing with today is the hands that he dealt us in and that whole new deal. But uh, I had more faith in Winston Churchill, and Winston Churchill had to have known that Stalin created starvation for 10 million Russians and Ukrainians. Ukrainians. There he was partnering with him to take out Hitler because he was committing genocide. He did the same thing. Yes, and now, now Stalin... During during the Soviet time, the Soviet time was controlled by the Kazarian bloodline, not the Russian bloodline, the Kazarian bloodline, and that's that's one of the things that we're dealing with. And then the the, the next is that um, during that period, Stalin is estimated to have killed sixty million Soviets, the majority of who were Russian, by sending them to the gulags. Right. So the the greatest killer of Russians was actually the Kazarians, okay? The second greatest killer of Russians were the Nazis, who it's estimated that 20 to 30 million Soviets lost their life during World War II, the majority of them, again, Russian. So the two entities that killed more Russian people, Russian bloodline, um, are the Kazarians and the Nazis. And all you have to do is look where that came from, and it's pointing right at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we ante up to send more money to the Ukraines to um, fuel this whole thing, which how many years later? It's nearly a hundred years later, still happening. Right, and and just look, half of Biden's uh, administration is Kazarian bloodline, Victoria Nuland. Who, who funded uh, the overthrow of the elected government of Ukraine is Kazarian, right? Um, uh, what's his name? Blinken is Kazarian of of Ukrainian heritage. So the very people who um, who are funding this and pushing it um, are the ones who hate the Russians. Putin knows it. I know it. If I know it, then pretty much everybody else should know it, right? And and now now it's being pushed to the point of a nuclear incident, right? And and I'm just amazed at how many people go, oh, the Russians blew up their own <laughs> damn pipeline, the their Russians, own dam, <laughs> and they blew up their own dam to cut off water to their own 
uh, yeah. Crimea, their own uh, uh, territory. Yeah. How knowable okay. do you have to be, right? And I think I, I think that people who suggest this probably are of the Nazi background. So once again, you just said that Stalin was responsible for 60 million deaths. And that's the number that I've always heard. When I put that column together yesterday and this morning, I can't find anybody verifying that. Nobody's wanting to give him credit for more than 10 million deaths. Now, it's one of the parts of history that we're seeing is that uh, it gets uh, it gets wiped clean. It gets sterilized. Yeah, I know. Exactly what happened in World War II. That got sterilized. We're, by the way, what happened with the uh, um, uh, the Library of Alexandria? Going back to the Teutonic Knights, oh, they burnt all the bill of books. No, they didn't. They took the top books and they put them in the the Vatican Library, of which we're not allowed to read. Right, and 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 they, they did the same with the Mayans. You know, they took the important documents and they put them in the the the, the Vatican Library. And so this is part of what I believe is the unveiling. You know, apocalypse means the unveiling. We're getting unveiled. What's happened to humanity? Who's controlling it? Right. Oh, by the way, one of my favorite things um, in, in history today, June the 15th, 1215, King John signs the Magna Carta at Runnymede. Oh, now, really? For some, for some weird travel in life, I had the, I went to Runnymede. Um, you know, um, my mother drug us off to Runnymede to show us where the Magna Carta was signed. And it was um it was actually called um it was Latin for Great Charter of Freedoms. It promised the protection of church's rights from the king, protection for the barons, of course, um, from illegal imprisonment, right, and access to swift justice and limitations on feudal payments to the crown. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? Mm. Right. Right, that was, the, that was the basis of our constitution, right? and and that we now see this these bloodlines trying to take possession back, control of of the people, right? And and that's my whole project. My whole project was how do we put the how do we put um, the production of food back in control of the people? Because you remember um, uh, was the admiral. Um, uh, Yanomoto, I think it was, who said behind every blade of grass in America is a rifle. Well, yeah, well, that's when five miles away was the farm. Well, not anymore. We have a lot of rifles, but, uh, you know, uh, how long are you going to last out here? Wawa will run out of food. You know, 7-Eleven's going to run out of their burritos. And, and, and people just aren't waking up that take down our supply chain, and that's it. Most of you have no food. That'll do it. We have successfully journeyed down the road, connecting food producers to food consumers, ones that are paying attention anyway. And that's the key. Are you paying attention? For J.C. Cole, I'm Trent Luce, reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route, not Rome. That's a misnomer. All roads lead to a roll route. Got it. 
Once again, just want to quickly remind you about Certified Piedmontese, the opportunity to have a tender eating experience. I'm not saying you can, can't get a tender eating experience without Piedmontese. What I'm saying is you know that you're going to get a tender eating experience of beef with the Piedmontese because it is genetic. It's naturally occurring inactive myostatin genes. All you need to know about that is you'll enjoy it and want more. Check it out from the Protein Plethora online, certifiedpiedmontese.com.